You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Philippians 4, and as soon as we read these verses, uh, and, I, and I, I do not apologize that you hopefully are familiar with these verses, and as we read them, you uh, may think, yeah, I've heard this a time or two, uh, but, but I'm, I'm, ta- I'm approaching these verses just from a, a little bit different angle, a little bit different emphasis tonight. I've shared with you before, one reason that you hear me refer to these verses so often is that these verses have changed my life. I mean, that's why I refer to them. They changed my life, and I believe they'll change the lives of others. So we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. And I guess that's one of the reasons why not only the the section that I focus on primarily normally when I go through this text, and I I love the outline. Uh, Warren Wearsby came up with just a simple way to put this, but uh, he was talking about the way that we can defeat worry, win the war with worry, as I often will title the message, is that we've got to learn to pray right, think right, and do right. And that's the outline that he gives for these verses, and just a tremendous outline, and focuses especially on worry and on anxiety. But that's not all that's in this passage, and I want to dig a little bit deeper into it tonight. And I want to try to talk tonight about real help for real life. Real help for real life. Notice these verses, and remember the context. Does anybody remember what was going on in the first four verses of Uh, or I'm sorry, the first three verses of this chapter that we looked at last time I taught, Michael preached last week, but the last time we were in these verses, what we learned about verses 1 through 3, what was going on? There was conflict between the lady, the couple of the ladies in the church. They were quarreling. They were there was contention, and it was strong enough to where God laid it on Paul's heart and told Paul. Let the ladies know they got to get this thing straightened out. Tell the other people to help them and so forth. And, and of course, I, you know, the things that you think about when you study, you just, when you study, when you read, you just got to remember that these were real people. This was a real church. And you got to just imagine what it was like for these women to all of a sudden be going through this letter and then all of a sudden hear your name called out. And we talked about that last week. And especially when Paul goes on and says, and by the way, make sure, hey, Everybody reads this letter. Get it to every church around you. Uh, and, of course, here we are still reading about it today. But the bottom line, the point that I'm trying to make is this great church, this church that Paul loved so much, uh, there, this was a church that still had an issue. They had an is- issue with contention in it because uh, they, they had to be a loving church. You can tell a joyful church, but uh, even then there was some contention that came in there. So, Uh, And and that plays in again to the context is why I mentioned it. But now let's pick up in verse number 4 where the Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Remember, he just got through rebuking them for arguing. And he just got through saying, hey, let's get this stuff fixed, church. Help them to get this straightened out. And then he just moves on and says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. And so uh, he goes on to say, be careful for nothing. And that's anxiety, worry. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer 
and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. So I'm emphasizing tonight in this tonight's message, real help for real life. And here's why I say it, that the truths that we're going to cover in these verses, uh, number one, they're very practical. We've mentioned one, well, a couple of them already. Number one, they had contention. Anybody in here ever have issues with contention, strife, arguing, not getting along with people? They had that. You know why? That's part of the human condition. That can happen. Uh, contention. Now, they also had worry. Uh, they had worry and anger as well as fear. They had worry. Uh, you ever worry? All right, so I'm talking about real help for real life. Real life is there's contention sometimes. Real life is there is worry and anxiety sometimes. Uh, and I don't know if... If you've got through 2020 without any anxiety, God bless you, amen, uh, you've done well, and, and, and perhaps you have. Uh, but I tell you, uh, there's, there's been a time or two that I've, you know, I, God's helped me with this immensely as far as um, generally not being given to worry. Uh, but I tell you, there's been a time or two in the recent days where, boy, you start thinking a little bit, you know, and uh, you start feeling some of that worry. But so anyway, real life is there's contention, there's worry. And here it is, really, two of these things, everybody listening to me right now is you can find this as one of your weaknesses and maybe even both of these. And I've already mentioned one, anger. What causes contention? It's pride. But what brings it to the point of contention and arguing? Anger. That usually elevates to anger. So we're, we're studying about this in Sunday school, but there's some of us, our temperaments, we are more given to anger. That would be one of the main weaknesses is anger. Now, the other uh, half of us, the, the temperament, we would be given more to fear. And that's where the worry and the anxiety and things like that come in at. So, and Michael, by the way, did a great devotional the other day on fear. Yesterday, actually. So, uh, but, but very, very practical. We can all identify with contention, worry, anger, and fear. So it's very practical, but it's also very pertinent. In other words, it, it, it has to do with right now, and we must deal with these common and base emotions if we're to get what God has for us. God has, a, God has blessings for us. God has things He wants to do in our lives. But... If we're still struggling, if we're still fighting and striving, and if we're still worrying all the time, and if we're still fearful not having faith in God, uh, listen, it's, it's going to limit what God's able to do in our lives. It's going to limit what He's able to bless us with because we are standing in the way. We're hindering, hindering those blessings. We're hindering what He wants to do uh, through our lives. And by the way, what he wants to give to us, what he wants to do to us and through us, ultimately, 
That is for our good, uh, to say the least. But I'm telling you, it's also for his glory. So these truths are practical. They're pertinent. But I want to say this. These truths are powerful. Are you given to anger? Are you contentious? Are you, are, do you have issues with fear and a lack of faith and worry? Well, there's good news tonight. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, the, the, the help that we have is in and through him. I like what the Bible says when uh, the Bible says in uh, the gospel of John chapter number one, the Bible says, but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And you know what that tells me? We, you and I can line up our excuses. Well, I'm just an angry person. That's the way it is. I'm just a worrier. I'm just a fearful person. Or, and I'm just a, whatever it may be. But you know what God says? You know what? It, it's not about you. It's about what I can do through you. God will give you the power. And uh, man, that's, that's, that's a blessing. But I tell you also, it does eliminate our excuses uh, because it's now you say, well, man, I just, I've tried and I just can't get past it. Well, man, it's not about you trying. It's about you learning to let God work through you. It's powerful. There's a, there's a little poem that just goes like this. Couldst thou in vision see the man God meant? Thou nevermore couldst be the man thou art content. Couldst thou in vision see the man God meant? Thou never couldst be the man thou art content. So if you could see the, the man, the person that God has for you to be and God wants you to be, if you could get a vision of that, you would never be content with the man you are right now, with the woman you are right now, because you know that God's got even greater things. And I know in all things we should be content and so forth, but the, the, the point of this is getting our thoughts heavenward. The thought of this is getting our minds on the eternal and how that can help us on a daily basis. Uh, there's... Um, there's a good story about that in the Pilgrim's Progress. John Bunyan portrayed a man who occupied himself with the paltry, the, the paltry and missed the eternal. He thought of nothing else but turning the mire over and over again with his muck rake. Behind him, proffering a golden crown, stood an angel. But the man kept his eyes on his muck rake, his mud rake. As, and as we imagine the scene, we're reminded of, uh, of, of, the, of the ridiculousness of that. Imagine a man that's out there trying to rake and turn over mud. And all he can focus on is trying to get something out of this mud. Well, I'm telling you, that's how a lot of people, a lot of Christians spend their lives trying to get something out of this mud uh, we call earth. And behind that man, there was standing an angel holding a golden crown, a victor's crown, that was saying, man, if you would just turn around, if you would just get your eyes off of that mud and off of that muck and off of that mire and get your eyes heavenward, you could get, be, enjoy the blessings that God has for you. Uh, so what, what is, it's, it's cool when you look at some of the things that God wants for us. Number one, we see that he wants us to be happy in a manner of speaking. Now, we know that technically, I guess you could say happiness comes from happenings, and there's a difference, I know, between happy, happiness and joy. But he wants us to be happy. He wants us to rejoice. Notice what it says there in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. And again I say... Rejoice. He's emphasizing it. Now, always understand this. Is it important if God says something once? 
It really is. I mean, uh, I, I want to say that before I say the next thing, but it is doubly important when he says it twice. He's really trying to emphasize it here. Uh, once is important, amen. You don't say, well, he only said it once, so it's not a big deal. No, he said it once, it matters. But then he comes back and says it again, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So what we see here again, keep with me in the contrast of what's going on here. God's people should be known for to be a rejoicing people. Not the fighting people of, you know, these first three verses. Not the worrying people and not the angry people. We should be known as rejoicing people. And the key to that is what it says there. And if you got a pen, I would encourage you to circle it or to, to underline it. Rejoice. What's the next three words? In the Lord. And, and one of the biggest of those three words, believe it or not, is I-N. In. Rejoice in the Lord. Because if we're not careful, what we say is, well, Pastor, how can I rejoice? Have you looked around at the circumstances? Well, it's a good thing he didn't say rejoice in your circumstances. You see, a rejoice in your health. It's a good thing he didn't say that. Because he can say rejoice in your health always. Rejoice in your circumstances always. Rejoice in, rejoice in your bank account. Uh, you know, whatever it is, rejoice in your feelings. And again, I say rejoice. No, we rejoice in the Lord. That's the only reason that we can always, re always rejoice. Because we can't always rejoice about these other things. <laughs> Listen, everything, we change, people change, the things around us change, and not always for the better. Sometimes we think things are changing for the better, and then uh, they'll turn worse. But let me tell you something tonight. We, we serve a God. The Bible says, I am the Lord and I change not. He's always the same. So somebody can say, so as a Christian, guess what? We should, we should be rejoicing all the time. Everything's not going so great. Why are you happy? Uh, you know, things aren't great in your life right now. Oh, no, but man, God's good because I'm rejoicing in the Lord. Amen. Uh, see, this talks about keeping our eyes on Him. In an atmosphere of rejoicing, the Lord, or rejoicing in the Lord, all discord dies. It's hard to rejoice in the Lord and be in the middle of a fight at the same time. Distressing thoughts are overcome by thoughts of the Lord and His love, goodness, wisdom, power, and care. I say this in some form or the other regularly, but the Lord is too wise to make any mistakes, too loving to be unkind, too powerful to be thwarted, and too involved in all that concerns you to be aloof. In other words, to be non-caring or distant. He cares about everything that happens in your life. Therefore, he's right there. I can rejoice in the Lord and so can you. I mean, when we, when we think about this God of heaven where he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, how can we not rejoice? In this sad world of sin, uh, tears may scald our eyes, but thoughts of him beaming like sunshine through the rain will make rainbows of our tears. 
I like what the psalmist said in Psalm 23. Psalm 23, not uh, really a psalm. You can apply it to dying, but it's not about dying. It's about living. It's a, Psalm 23 is a psalm for the living. And in verse number 4, the Bible says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, his circumstances aren't good. His surroundings aren't good, but his Lord is good. <laughs> I, listen to what he says. I will fear no evil. See, no fear. I will fear no evil. Why? You know the rest of it. For thou art with me. Amen. Right there. What's he doing? Thy rod and thy staff, they cover me. What's he doing? He's rejoicing in the Lord. I mean, listen, we're not, we're not some kind of insane sadists that rejoice in pain and rejoice in things going bad and rejoice in, you know, the, 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 the things that happen in a negative way to our families or in our personal lives or in our world. We're not crazy. No, we're not rejoicing in those things, but we are rejoicing in our faithful God. You may be walking through a valley, but I want you to know something tonight. You don't have to fear because he's with you. Life is difficult. Amen. Life is overwhelming sometimes. See, that, that's, the, that's the struggle I've had for years trying to communicate when I preach about rejoicing. Because people think almost as if I'm not acknowledging that life is difficult. That life isn't sometimes overwhelming because it is. It is it's, it's hard to rejoice in life. But we can always rejoice in the Lord. Joel said in Joel 2.25 that the Lord can restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Do you have regrets over wasted years? You know what God says? That's okay. I can restore those years. Amen. He's a good God. Amen. Uh, you know what else he can do? Do you have a broken heart? The Bible says in Isaiah 61 verse 1 that he can bind up the brokenhearted. He can make evil a means of grace. In other words, he can make evil a vehicle through which he can bless you. <laughs> Genesis chapter 50 verse 20, the Bible says, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it for good. Uh, listen, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 3 verse 21 that he's able to subdue all things unto himself. We've got a big old God. Hey, you have a big God. It's not just me. It's you. If you're saved, you got a big God. I mean, how big is your God? You ever ask that question? How big is your God? He's big. Amen. I, I was thinking about this last night. I don't know. Um, maybe come uh, NFL Combine, and I know NFL's a touchy subject. I could take it or leave it. But it was still interesting to me uh, that uh, last night it was Brother Moore just mentioned about how the Bible mentions about God measuring out the heavens in a span. In other words, he, he uses his hand. And I started thinking about some of the talk around the NFL combine. They talk about measurables. And I they'll talk about how big's the guy's hand. I'd like to talk about that with God, wouldn't you? How big's his hand? Uh, one of the things they talk, how, how much can he lift? How strong is he? Here's how strong is he. How quick is he? Here's how quick he is. He can change it just like that. Amen. I mean, I started thinking about that. What's his vertical? Uh, I don't know, but we're going to find out about our vertical one day. Praise the Lord. Uh, hallelujah. I don't know, but I thought I'm going to preach a whole message based on uh, the NFL combine. He'll do fine on the wonder lick too. 
that's a IQ test thing they do anyway uh, but the, the, the point that I'm trying to make is this he is a big God he's your God Amen. Amen. And we need to rejoice. I mean, not only do we need to rejoice in church, we need to rejoice when we're not in church. We need to rejoice at home. We need to rejoice in our vehicles. We need to make it a practice to rejoice. I mean, it, you, you say, oh, well, that's all emotionalism. And I understand you can see it that way, but I'm telling you, you're wrong. It's faith. It's putting faith into action because although everything around you may seem crummy, it's faith saying it's strength, not just weak, emotional, whatever. It's strength. It's faith saying hallelujah anyhow, amen, or hallelujah because of because my God is good. Amen. I'm just trying to encourage you tonight, and I get on this thing rejoicing, and i got to move on, but I just say this. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Right. When I finally learned to humble myself and start rejoicing and praising the Lord, I'm telling you, it made a significant change in my life. And it's one of those things where I don't know that I'd be here today Amen. if I hadn't learned to rejoice. And I want to be a rejoicer. Amen. Uh, I remember a friend of mine years ago, he, he said that uh, he, they said about him, his name was Buddy. And they, they said somebody, they were kind of making fun of him a little bit. They said, oh, Buddy, he'll shout at the drop of a hat. That's an old saying, kids, just to say you'll just shout right on just right now. I mean, anything. Don't need anything to shout. And uh, he says, well, he said, I'll do one better than that, buddy said. He said, I, he said, I'll shout at the drop of the hat. He said, but I'll drop the hat myself. Amen. <laughs> I mean, he's just always ready to rejoice. Uh, you say, what will people think? I don't know. And if you can get to the point where you don't care, I'm going to tell you one thing. If you can learn to rejoice, man, I'm telling you, you'll be so blessed for it. All right. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, and always, and again uh, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And, 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 and almost always, there's the sanctimonious person getting the, sitting there saying, well, you know, Pastor, I don't want to be in the flesh. But if the Spirit spoke to me, I would rejoice, surely. Surely I would. Rejoice in the Lord! Amen. Amen. Chapter 4, verse 4, the Spirit just spoke to you. Did you hear Him? Rejoice in the Lord always! Amen. And again, I say rejoice! If God would just tell me to shout, I, but, but Pastor, I don't want to be in the flesh after all. Uh, you know, I, I would hate to shout and it be, uh, you know, well, well listen, I'm, I need God to speak to me about it. Well, good news for you, amen. The Bible says in the Psalms, shout with the voice of triumph, amen. You know what else he says? Clap your hands, all you people. I mean, he, I mean, so if you're waiting around, listen, I mean, there, it reminds me what we were talking about earlier. Are you a Bible believer? If you believe the Bible, we're not waiting for some spirit to come along to speak to us, are we? We have the Holy Spirit. He speaks through His Word, and we say it all the time. We believe it all the time. We don't do what we do. What if, what if, what if, you, do, what if you had that same mentality for every, every other area of your life as a Christian? Well, the Lord just hasn't really led me. He hadn't led, you to, he hadn't led me to pray today. I hadn't felt the Lord speak to me about that. I hadn't felt the Lord speak to me about giving. I hadn't felt, felt the Lord speak to me about going to church. I hadn't felt the Lord speak to me. And we, you know, we don't do that. You know, we say all the time, uh, I remember uh, old Ed Lefford, I just thank God for the people that God used to disciple me in my early Christian life, but he was a, he was a gruff old fella, he was a good friend of mine, he was the man that would go out of his way to pick me up, I told you about that I'd wave on sometimes, uh, 
But he was a, he was a rough old fellow. Kind of reminds me of Bud a little bit. Uh, we, man, we we'd go out inviting people to church and witnessing and stuff like that. And uh, and this one guy just said something like, "Yeah, well, I don't go to church anymore." He said, "When I was young," he said, "Listen, young people, when I was young," he said, "My mom made me go to church, and and uh, so yeah, I just don't really go to church anymore." That's just one of those excuses people use. Brother Ed, without missing a beat, says. What did she make you brush your teeth? And what he was asking was, are you still brushing your teeth, buddy? Mom made me brush my teeth when I was little, and I ain't brushed them ever since. I'm scarred. I had to take a bath every week. Hadn't taken one since. It's awful what parents, if you make your kid do something, they'll never do it again the rest of their life. If that's what he said, you bro did she make you brush your teeth? <laughs> he had this big voice. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is this. We don't sit around waiting on God to tell us. And if God said it in his word, we do it. Amen. Uh, we're good Bible-believing Christians, and so that's what we do by the grace of God. I just encourage you, rejoice in the Lord. Amen. Uh, so he wants us to be happy, but he also wants us to be holy. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to be holy. Look at verse number five. The Bible says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Moderation might right there means forbearance or yieldedness. It means to be selfless. So in the context of contention, we need to, to be selfless. Remember, why do you get in an argument? Because you're so focused on your rights and what you said and what you want to accomplish and so forth. But he's saying right there, we, we, our moderation, we need to be moderate. In other words, we need to be selfless. We need to, be, we need to yield. We need to say, you know what? Not worth the battle. You know what? I love you, brother. We're not going that road. You know, I, I love the attitude of this church, man, almost from day one as I look around at some of y'all. Think about others. Uh, that man, from day one, man, there's been some people that have been protective of this church, is there not? And people are still so protective of this church. And here's what I mean by that people are determined not to be the joker that messes it up. Ain't that right? I believe that. I believe there's, there's people that are determined. I don't want to be the one that decides to hit the roof one day, uh, you know, because pastor takes his tie off in the pulpit on some Sunday or whatever the case may be. Um, Right? What, you know what that tells me? Man, our moderation is known. Amen? I know about some moderation around here, some yieldingness, some people that are willing to say, you know what, uh, just being selfless. It's not about me. It's about the Lord. It's about his work. But, but notice this. He wants us to be holy because, uh, as we see, I believe that rejoicing in the Lord, that's a recipe for a happy life. I want to say that quickly again, though. This is, I'm putting these two together. Rejoicing is the recipe for a happy life. Looking for the return of the Lord is the recipe for a holy life. He said the Lord is at hand. But here's the interesting thing about rejoicing. I just, one more time. Rejoicing in the Lord is a recipe for a happy life. Sometimes we're waiting around to get happy, and then we'll rejoice. Okay, I'm moving on from that. We don't do that. We rejoice. If you by faith rejoice and praise the Lord, you'll get happy. Amen. Don't wait around trying to get happy. Uh, be happy. Amen. Hey, don't be a thermometer. Be a thermostat. Don't just come into the room and say, oh, well, not many here tonight. And so-and-so, and -so, the life of the party's not here. And man, so-and-so, they're not going to be saying amen. And they're not going to be singing. I guess it's just. And so what you do is you come in and you just take the temperature. 
That's what a therm thermometer does. Be a thermostat, amen. Come in here with it cranked up on 90, amen. <laughs> Say, praise God, let's have church. I, I mean, uh, listen, uh, rejoice in the Lord. So moderation. Rejoicing makes you happy. My, a holy life of the return of the Lord makes you holy. The Lord is at hand. He's coming again. I believe he could be talking to these dear ladies in the church and saying, would you really want to be in the middle of one of your rants when the Lord comes? Is that what you want to do? Would you want to be saying, oh, oh, Udius, let me tell you one thing about her. And then the next thing you know, you're right in Jesus' face about to say what you were about to say. Right? Can you imagine that? I mean, see, the Lord is at hand. I mean, and he's right here. He's at the door. I mean, <laughs> Kenley was looking over there. I don't think he's really over there. But I'm saying, he's close. He could come at any moment. Amen? So therefore, that should help us to live holy lives. You're going to try to sneak away and get, uh, get away for, with some sin? You're going to try to go look at something you ought not look at, say something you ought not say, do something you ought not do? Well, remember, he's about to walk through that door right there, Kenley. Uh, he's at hand. He's close. His coming is close. So that should help us live a holy life. Amen. All right. So he, he deals not only with our rejoicing, but he tells us that we don't have to worry. Uh, there in verse number 6, be careful for nothing. Worry. Now, that's something that we can all identify with. I love what the Bible says in Matthew 6, 25. Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Mark this down, the same word, Ron. Careful and thought. You know, I mean, in other words, he's saying, don't worry about your life. He's not saying not to plan. When he says be careful for nothing, he's not saying don't buckle your seatbelt and you know, uh, be careful in that sense. But he's saying don't worry. Take no thought. He's not saying don't make plans, don't be wise. But he's saying don't worry. Take no thought. Do not worry about your life. Do not worry about what you're going to eat. Do not worry about what you're going to drink. Do not worry for your body. What you shall put on is, is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. And again, I, I will give you this uh, Quickly, since we're in the verse, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer. What's that word prayer uh, signify right there? Kind of the meaning behind the word prayer is used in this verse. Man, you're making me happy. Maybe I hadn't preached it too much. It means praise. It means praise. It means worship. That's the idea. And the reason you know that is because then it goes on and says supplication. See, I say this often about these verses, but we just call everything prayer. We call intercession prayer. We call supplication prayer. We call praising God before him prayer. But the Bible actually makes distinctions about what type of praying that we're doing. This type of prayer is praise. In other words, lift him up. One of the, the big key to not worrying and, and having victory is, again, praising the Lord. Because if we exalt him... Praising God magnifies him. Praising God lifts him up. We're, if we're worried, it's because we're lifting up, we're magnifying the problems of this life. All right? So by prayer, supplication, that just means pray, man. Give your heart to God. And we'll say more about that in just a moment. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Uh, said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. 
Said the sparrow to the robin, I suppose that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as care for you and for me. We don't have to worry. Amen. But so we have worry, but we have want. Notice what the Bible says there in uh, continuing in verse number six. He says, uh, let your request be made known unto him. Pray. Pray. I'm talking about, listen, real help for real life. How we can overcome worry. How we can do this. How, how we can see God work. Pray. Do you pray? You know, do you even pray, bro? We want things to happen, but are we praying about it? Amen. Ask God. I'm really hoping God meets this need. Have you asked him? Amen. I'm really hoping this person gets saved. Are you calling out their name before God? I really want to see somebody walk the aisle at church. It's been a while. Are you asking God for it? As an individual, we need to get together and do it collectively. But are you doing it? Do you pray? Do you know what one of our biggest, our biggest prayer failures are? Failing to pray. <laughs> one of our biggest prayer failures is simply uh, failing to pray. So you want God to do something, ask God to do something. He wants you. He tells us, ask him. Make your request. Let your request be made known unto God. Ask God. Let me tell you something else. Ask God. Number two, ask big. That's right. Yeah. Amen. Ask big. Don't ask small. Ask audacious. Ask God for great things. I mean, don't just say, uh, well, Lord, I don't know. I, I, I don't, uh, I, you know, I... I'd like to see a lot of people saved, but God, if, if only one. Well, I, we do need to pray for one. God, I'd like to see a couple more, more people, uh, you know, in church. I want to see them standing out the door, amen, and figuring out what to do with them. I mean, pray big. Yes, amen. Pray God will help me get through this disease. No, pray God will heal it, amen, and he may not. Uh, but you can pray that way. You can believe God for it. And let me tell you something. He's always going to do the right thing. And you're not the one, by the way, who knows what that right thing is. God is. You better be sure you know that when you're asking God for something. Because you follow some of this crowd, and I'm telling you, man, they'll, they, they act like God's some genie in a bottle, Dan. Exactly. You, you rub this little Bible verse, and out comes the Lord, and, 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 uh, and, you know, I'll give you three wishes and so forth. I mean, that ain't the way it works. But we do need to ask God. We can ask God big things. I, and let, me, let me just say that about prayer, by the way. What if you had three wishes? What if you had three wishes tonight that you could ask for anything from God? All right? Trying to get lottery and some of that off the table, okay? Three things, just big things. What are three huge things if you had three things you could ask of God? Well, can I encourage you to ask those? And can I encourage you to multiply that by 100 or more? Because God doesn't give us three wishes. Amen? It's unlimited. Now, again, going back to the genie analogy, it doesn't mean he's going to meet it all the way you think he ought to. But I promise you one thing, he's always going to meet them and answer them best. Amen? Amen? Uh, it may not be best to you, but it's best to him. Ask God. I'm just trying to encourage you. Make your request made known unto God. Amen. Oh, this has really been bothering me. Have you talked to God about it? Well, no. Aren't we knuckleheads? I got convicted uh, years ago. Lord have mercy. I got convicted years ago uh, as I was uh, a, 
playing basketball. God cares about the smallest things. He didn't convict me about playing basketball, maybe about the way I was playing. But uh, anyway, uh, uh, no easy, no easy, no layups. Amen. But anyway, uh, but I, I was playing and my, my wedding ring slipped off. And I didn't know it slipped off. I kept on playing and went home. And when I got in the shower and started washing my hands, uh, I, uh, when I started washing that left hand, something didn't feel right and it hit me. Where's my wedding ring? I had no idea where my, my wedding band was at. Uh, but then I thought, well, I guess it's, I, then I thought, well, maybe at the gym, maybe in the gym. And it was a big, wide uh, gym there at the YMCA in Pierce, South Dakota. And of course, right away, I'm concerned. You know, I mean, man, if I don't go, I, I was scared if I went without that thing, there'd be women chasing me all over the place. So I needed to get that thing on my finger as quickly as possible. Uh, <laughs> probably shouldn't have said that. I was just kidding, but not everything's funny. But anyway, no, but I wanted to go get that ring on my finger. Uh, and so I, I got up to the gym, and, and I got up there, and first thing, I started looking around everywhere, and this, this uh, basketball court had a walking track up above it. And up there was Brother Larry. And Larry saw me down there, and he says, Hey, Pastor. And I said, Hey, Larry, how's it going? And I said, Well, fine. I said, But I lost my ring, and I think it came off in here somewhere. And he just, he said, Does God care? Does God care at all about me losing a wedding band? Does God care about that at all? Yes, he does. So Larry says to me, Now here he is talking to the pastor, Did you pray about it? Did you ask God? No, Larry, I didn't. But thank you for mentioning that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. And I was starting to bow my head right then and there, Ron. But just, I just felt impressed. And instead of just in the middle of the basketball court, I decided I was going to walk over here out of the way and pray. And as I walked over to this door way over here and on the threshold, on that silver threshold, sat my golden wedding band. I don't know that I would have found it if I'd have kept looking. I don't know if I'd have went there because my wife can tell you how I look for stuff. But I went to go pray, and there it was. Amen. Why? Because I prayed. Amen. All right, listen. God cares about that smallest thing that nobody cares about. All right. Uh, listen. Uh, pray. How big is your God? When you pray, remember this little poem. <laughs> Yes, that's the third one. Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring. For his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. Amen. Amen. So one of the ways we can get real help for real life is that we learn by God's grace, we can, we can beat worry, we can beat fear. By praising God, by trusting God, by praying and leaving our burdens with the Lord. Uh, you know, the Bible says in is it 1 Peter chapter 5 where the Bible says, Cast uh, your burden on the Lord. Casting all your care. Thank you, Melon. Uh, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Uh, you know, and that means, man, you come and you drop it down and you leave that burden there. All right? But I heard it and you've seen it years ago too. A lot of us get the wrong idea of that verse, casting all your care. What's that word care again? Same one here, worry, anxiety. We cast it like we're fishing, amen? amen. And we cast it like we're bass fishing, man. We cast it out there and we, draw, we get it back in uh, pretty quick like, amen? We don't even leave it out there very long. Lord, I'm bringing you my burdens. I'm casting my cares on you. Okay, Lord, that's good enough. I'll take them back now. And out the door we walk with them. All right, listen. So, but we can we can learn. And part of this, and and I'm gonna try to close quickly with verses seven through nine. That we need to have a guarded, 
<laughs> I'm in love, y'all. Uh, uh, we need to have a guarded thought life. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Okay, let me slow that down a second. And the what? The, what's the three words after? And the peace of God. Whose peace is this? It's the peace of God. See, now Jesus said, there's a peace that the world gives. What? Does anybody know what the hell? How's the peace that the world gives works? I'm asking you. The, the world gives peace. Jesus said, I, peace I leave unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. What kind of peace does the world give? Temporary. You know, you look at the, the Dow Jones or something, and you have some peace for the day. Or you, you know, you check your blood pressure, and you have some peace for the Or whatever the case may be. It's a sunny day, and it's not as windy if that ever happened. I mean, uh, listen, uh, it's, it's, you know, that's the peace that the world offers. So let me ask you just a few things about God's peace. Can God's peace, could God's peace ever be disturbed? Let me ask you this. What news, what news could reach God that could cause him stress? What news? What could he possibly uh, see? What could he possibly watch that all of a sudden, and by the way, you want to know something about news? Uh, yeah. News, there's a few things about news. Hold on, Connie, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> But I'll tell you something else about news. Uh, news never reaches God, in a sense, because news is something new. Amen? It's something that's just breaking, or that's been breaking ever since, uh, you know, Vladimir Lenin, and they're just uh, repackaging uh, it. But that's a whole other story. But news doesn't reach God. Why? Because he already knows. Amen? There's, he's never surprised. There's never any news that could reach him. Why? Because he's omniscient is the point I'm trying to make. He can't, he can't learn something like, oh, my goodness. God has, God has never seen a riot and been like, oh, my gosh, what's going on now? Never, not once. Um, could all the power of the gates of hell disturb his peace? <laughs> He's omnipotent. I like Psalm 2. The Bible says, he that sitteth in the heaven shall laugh. <laughs> that, that's a reference to Armageddon. This is the Antichrist crowning moment. He's actually leading the world. Satan is leading the world. He's got his man of sin. He's got the, the, the nations of the world gathering together to battle against Christ. He's got it together, man. His plan, the, he's been trying to get this plan together since the garden. Finally, here's his big plan. And Jesus just looks and says, Really? That's what you got. That's what you got. Let me show you what I got. <laughs> so he says, if that's what you got, I'll take your best shot. But I got something for you. And it's not even going to be me breaking sweat. I'm going to jump on my horse, amen. And with the words that come out of my mouth, I'm going to destroy the whole lot of you. Amen. That's right. In other words, he's not worried about power. See, he... He can command galaxies and he can create atoms. 
He can toss stars into the space and hold satellites whirling at inconceivable velocities around their orbits. There is no physical, moral, or spiritual power that he does not rule with skill. Nothing, nothing can ruffle the peace of God. It's calm beyond all storms, a rest beyond all strife, a haven beyond all tempestuous seas. The unflappable, unfathomable peace of God who controls the universe and pursues a faultless purpose is the peace that he offers to you and to me. He says this, John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus says, I got something for you. I got my peace right here. Amen. I got my peace. Do you want it? He offers it. Do you have it? He offers it. Because uh, it goes on to say this. Uh, so if, if, you, if you go back... To what he says there in verse number, uh, no, yeah, yeah, there in verse number seven. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Circle that word keep. You know what that means? It's the same word as used in 2 Corinthians 11.32 when the Bible says the king kept the city of Damascenes with a garrison. With a garrison. He kept it with a garrison. In other words, it means to be guarded or kept in custody. See, between Paul and the threatening circumstances stood a garrison, a fortress, a stronghold. <laughs> See, God's peace had him in custody. Paul was on lockdown, man, with God's peace. Nero shows up and says, your head's coming off, Paul. He says, have at it. <laughs> he had the peace of God. Why? Because you say, how did Paul? Boy, Paul had some kind of peace. No, Paul, it wasn't Paul's peace. It was the peace of God. Amen. See, why, why do we know that? <clears throat> a great river of peace was thrown like a moat around the citadel of his soul. That's how it is. That's the peace that God wants you to have. Amen? All right. And, and where do we find it? Through Christ Jesus. I'm closing with this. I'm not getting to the thoughts. I'm closing with this. Peace. The peace of God. And then it goes on to say that the, the, you'll have the peace of God and that the God of peace will be with you. Everybody that's saved in the book of Ephesians has peace with God. But not, I dare say most people that are saved don't have the peace of God. Or at least don't utilize the peace of God. But listen to this. Luke 2, 14, you know it. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Anybody? Peace. Peace. Goodwill toward men. The imperturbable peace hushed the storm the storm, a hush, the storm-tossed Sea of Galilee gave rest to the tormented soul of the demoniac. The peace, that peace remained unshaken by conflict, criticism, crisis, and even the cross. 
at all times, in all places, under all circumstances, Christ reposed in his Father's good and acceptable will. <laughs> kind of a cool thing about the peace of God. He wants us to have peace. He really does. He wants us to have his peace. On that resurrection Sunday night, when the disciples are hiding up in that upper room, the Lord Jesus steps in, steps right through the wall. And you know what the first word is out of his mouth? Peace. Peace. Amen. That's what he said to them. Do you have that peace tonight? See, I'm talking about real, real help for real life. Let's all stand and, you know, it is very true, isn't it? Contention, worry, anger, fear. We all know about those things. We're all well acquainted with them. But he says that we can learn to rejoice. <laughs> I say we can learn to do it, you know, but it's kind of like there's no try, there's just do. Amen. <laughs> do it. Uh, we can learn to do it. Rejoice. But in, but in our rejoicing, we can learn to overcome some of the strife, some of the worry, some of the fear, some of the anger. If we will rest in him, and I didn't get to you know, a big key there about thinking on these things. But you got to take inventory. And I'll challenge you tonight. You're familiar, I'm sure, with the, the verse to some extent. Whatsoever things are true, lovely, good report, and so forth. That's the filter that we run our thoughts through. Is what I'm thinking right now fitting under one of those categories? If not, scrapping it. Done. Nope. Catching that one. Okay, Lord, I'm bringing that thought into captivity of Christ Jesus. I'm thinking on this. Is this true? Is this lovely? Is this pure? Is this of a good report? Is this virtuous? Is this of praise, you know? Think on these things. <laughs>